Hey everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I am the host of the Big Monday Show. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us after the first break. Tonight, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Derby stuff, derby news, pace news. Uh, We got a couple ideas. We're going to give you free ideas, racetracks and Breeders' Cup. Free, free, free. You never listen. Well, sometimes you do. But you should listen to these. These are good ideas. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. So I'm going to shut up now, go to quick commercial, be back with the sniper on the other side. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees, your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the freshman stallion of the year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it 3 for 3, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Nice to speak with you this week, as as usual. Yeah, you know, you know how we do. I'm being very formal tonight. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I was gonna say, what happened? <laughs> well, we're witnessing a a, a beat down. It's a funeral. A beat down in progress. Yes, and that's not talking about my. My foray into the Yonkers big night, but <laughs> it's been a beat down over there. You know, I think the best way to describe Yonkers, which is a half mile track for those people that don't know it, it's almost like betting a basketball game, but it's being played on on a half court. <laughs> you know? Like by the time they they get to the the turn, they're almost to the other turn, and it just everything happens so fast, and it's just tough to figure out. But um, but anyways, no one cares about that. <laughs> what people do care about is the Kentucky freaking Derby, and that's no. all anyone wants to talk about. We have no, some news don't. today. Well, it's actually not in our breaking news. It's news, but it's not. You know, big news, but it's actually news that could affect the race, which is the revival (laughs) of my future book ticket with the decision 
which seemed like a decision that perhaps Mr. Brian Lynch was coerced into, but he is back on the Derby Trail. Classic Causeway is uh, who we're talking about after inexplicably just halting in his last race. I don't know how else to say it. He just like <laughs> halted. He got to the second turn and said, no, no more. more. No more. <laughs> he did a Roberto Duran. He waved his gloves and he just backed through the field. And we can forgive that. We're going to have to forgive that because he's involved now. And, and where he matters in this race is that um, he's created pace again because unless they're going to change tactics, the tactics that have been utilized him on him mostly successfully outside of that last race is to go to the lead. Yep. Um, I don't know how this would affect early voting. I, I would have to imagine that the decision on early voting could potentially be affected by this because you could almost make a case and people kept thinking, you know, Messier is going to go to the front. Early voting will be on the lead. He's not going to not be on the lead. <laughs> that horse is as headstrong as I've ever seen a Chad Brown horse. Chad Brown makes all the horses relax and rate. Like how many horses do you have of his do you see on the lead? Not many. Right. That one is not rating. So if you're going to outrun him, you're going to go really fast. He's going to be on the lead if he's in the Kentucky Derby and he gets a reasonable post and he breaks. Now, that's not a given, of course. And that's one of the things I think the fallacy of people trying to handicap this race (laughs) 12 days before the race, before we know posts, before we actually even know the entire field. Um, But. Early voting is a very, very headstrong horse. He's not going to do an epicenter. I I don't see that happening. He's going to be on the lead or be pressing the lead. So the entrance of Classic Causeway, who, you know, who they tried to rate once, and it really didn't work out very well. Um. You'd have to imagine that, that <clears throat> again, good. not knowing where these horses draw, if they draw pulse one and two, it might, you know, they might be screwed. <laughs> but um, you'd have to think that if, if they were leaning towards passing with early voting, the presence of Classic Causeway hurt that if they were nope. thinking maybe Preakness. So that is, is it could, could be the, the way that, um, the race is affected, you know, by classic classic causeway injecting speed into the race. And if you subtract early voting, well, then uh, maybe you call it a wash. But I don't see Messier outrunning either of those horses to the lead. I, I don't see that as being the uh, the plan with him, especially since he chased last time and really didn't have much to offer, even though the race was a fast race and. La di da di da. I don't know. I just don't see that happening. No, he, he. If early voting is in, nobody's gonna get in front of that horse. No. 
Um, I mean, yeah. let, let's just let's just say one thing about Messier's race two starts ago when he went to the lead and won by 15. That was the worst field ever <laughs> assembled in a California <laughs> Derby prep. Okay, it was awful. Those horses suck. If you own one of them, sell them or run them for twenty five thousand claim. And I, I'm talking to you, Happy Jack. <laughs> The only way, listen, Calumet Farm, and I have praised Calumet Farm for taking shots in races and running in races in stakes that they were long prices in. And they've won some of them. They're not going to win this. That horse is not good. He's not. But um, he, him being in this race is kind of ludicrous. <laughs> People dedicating a session taping a session <laughs> talking about him in this race. I don't know how how does that not like 30 seconds. Well, what are the, what are his good points? Well, he shouldn't None. be tired from his efforts on the Derby Trail since he never gets within 10 lengths of the winner. What are his negatives? Well, he's slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how I got so salty today. Half the field you could do that with, you know. Yeah, there's, right. there's, there's, you know, honestly, I, I was looking through the, uh, the thoroughgraph numbers for this. Someone sent me the thoroughgraphs for the, the Derby perspective Derby field. You know, what kills me is I, I put out my little newsletter thing yesterday, and spell check just murders me sometimes. <laughs> And it changes words from it's correct crazy. words to wrong words. And it changed prospective to perspective, but it was in um, like a, a, um, <laughs> a subtitle. So me being a terrible editor, didn't even look at it. I mean, I was just looking to see if I had mis made any mistakes in the, the body of um the document and of course i always like leave like two mistakes in be just because my eyes get to you know. but um anyways yeah it changes it but anyways there's about 10 horses that legitimately could win this race the best horses really aren't that much better than the horses who are, who are considered right. the second tier the difference is really it's really, really narrow. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a handful that are just, you know. Hopeless. Pretty close to hopeless. I mean, just, it, it would take, like, you know, a miracle. Not a miracle, but it, it would take a. 19 other horses not to fire. <laughs> it, it would take something very odd out of the ordinary to, to happen for, for a bunch of those slower horses. You know who you are, slow horses. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I told you I was going to do that. I'm going to give you one reason why you should bet on each horse in the race and one reason why you shouldn't bet on each horse in the race. And uh, I don't care if people get mad. If I talk bad about their horse, it's their, you know what? It's, their, it's your horse. Man, yeah. Andy Byer is the best at that. Do you just deal with it? You know, I mean, Andy just Byer just is the king. Just deal with it. 
It's not the end of the world if I call your, you know, I put the little turtle emoji next to your horse. <laughs> Talking to you, one eye horse. <laughs> that horse ran an 11 on the thoroughbreds, by the way, last time. You know who we're talking about, right? Yes. This year's Patch. Patch would like drown this horse. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh ran Patch an 11, is... and he's entered in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> but he works so good, Chuck. He works so good. It's so funny how, how so many people like start analyzing the works. <laughs> you know? Do you analyze the works the rest of the year? It, well, like, no. Oh, yeah. I never watched these, but <laughs> I well, never Kentucky Derby horses. You know, the they, they probably should work fairly well. I don't know. I, I just I just think it's funny because uh, I can't I tell you how many horses when I was stable at Churchill for better part of a decade, uh, it was always one of the most interesting times of the year, not just because there was a million people wandering around. One day I look down the horse path and, and here, you know, who's coming, walking up this giant guy. And I'm like, holy shit. It's artist Gilmore. For real? For real. We had artist Gilmore at the barn. I was trying to give him a horse like to have, like not to bet on. <laughs> But uh, artist was smart, and he decided no that he didn't want that. Yeah, but he he came uh, him and a bunch of guys. Alan Houston, that's crazy. Alan Houston's dad's a big a big horse horse yes, player. He used to own the horses too. But um, the one interesting dynamic is that every year there's a couple horses that everybody sell. This horse is really doing good, and this horse is <laughs> oh he's coming out of his skin. Blah blah blah. But it doesn't matter if they're not good enough anyways. I mean, that's one of the things that that always kind of, you know, made me chuckle a little bit because people would say, oh, this horse is working spectacularly. Well, that's great. It's, it's great if you're betting first-time starters, you know. And you don't want to bet horses or, or, or even, you know, from the connection standpoint, you don't want to run races when your horse isn't doing good. <laughs> yeah, especially this one. But um it's probably the most overrated of of all things in that I just can't remember a whole lot of horses that I wound up um like being talked into because of how well they would worked. I mean, really you're just looking for horses that to, that don't work well. Right. Not not ones that work well cuz they're all going to work pretty good. And and if you haven't been watching the horse, if you don't know how they work, I mean, I've had some horses that, that were like pokey. I mean, just didn't do anything in the morning. And then you put them in a race and it's like a different story. And then I and honestly, there's a lot more to go the other way that they work lights out in the morning and you can put them in a race, can't find them. <laughs> but, um, you know, at this point, we just want to see, you know, your handicapping is your handicapping. I mean, there's so many variables. I mean, the derby trends, that's that's the one thing that, that really makes me laugh. Ah, Pulse 13 hasn't won a race since 1978. Who cares? It's a it's a race they run once a year. There's 20 there's 20 spots. Most of the years there's there's what's what's the average over the last 10, 15 years? Like like 18 and a half. 
So you have a one in 18 ch chance of, of, of winning every year. It's not like it's uh, matters. It, it's completely worthless. It doesn't matter at all. But people get so stuck on these things that only three horses qualify um, under this system that they had the fastest speed rating and the, 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 the pedigree of this and their workouts pattern got an A plus and my cousin's sister's brother got a tip from the breeder's cousin. <laughs> People still follow dosage. Dosage. Yeah. I guess somebody might. Hmm. That, that, maybe we should revive it. <laughs> we could have a, we could have our own dosage. Yeah, I want to do that. Make up our own. Yeah, we just make up our own. And then we'll just do like the dosage people. If it didn't work out that way, we'll just we'll just change adjust it. The we'll change. just change it. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember Strike to Gold didn't have the dosage after the Derby. He had the dosage. <laughs> yeah, remember that dosage was a thing, and you had to run as a two-year-old, and you had to do this, and you had to do that. And I mean, we've talked about it a million times. We're going to get to a point where none of the horses have the requisite number of, of preps. Sad but true. Sad but true. I mean, uh, a number of the horses who would be considered the favorites in this race have but one stake win. <laughs> yeah, that's tells you a lot. Yep. One stake win. Some of them have none. Some of them want a stake named after stakes. <laughs> the meat race. <laughs> oh, it's my comment on <laughs> Tony Port. <laughs> you should not bet on him because his chief qualifications were earned in a race named after strip stakes and a junior varsity race. There is just no way of, you know, it's just the it's just a a different race every year, and it's difficult and it's hard to figure and things will happen that we cannot know now. It's gonna happen. There's gonna have weird things happen. I mean, it just does. There's gonna have horses who are gonna get trips that don't make any sense. There's gonna be horses that that come out of the gate wrong. We're gonna. There's gonna be. Uh, Horses that show more speed than they usually do. There's going to be horses that do the opposite. It's just a crazy race. And and that's part of the, you know, the allure of it. Plus having a big field and having, you know, massive amounts of money bet where you can just literally bet anything you want. People are like, oh my God, Mattress Max is going to bet $3 million. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maybe you'll knock it down a half a click, but... Not a big deal. Nope. So anyways, um, you know, this really might be one of the better oaks that, that they've ever, that I, I can, I, I hate to say things like, well, they ever had, because the truth of the matter is the Kentucky <laughs> Oaks has really, um, the status of the Kentucky Oaks over the last 25 or so years has really raised, 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a lot higher than it yeah, used to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was always an important race, but it was never what it is now, which is almost looked at as the, the sister version of the Kentucky Derby. Um like I said, it, it's always been an important race. I'm not, not saying it wasn't, but I think the status of the Oaks has definitely risen over the last you know couple decades. And this is really an exceptional field. At least it's an exceptional credential field. I mean, if you look at the leading contenders going into the Kentucky Oaks, you have the two-year-old champion who's undefeated five for five. You have... Uh, the upcom- up and coming, you know, uh, horse trained by the, the the grizzled veteran, right? You have Kathleen O's, what four for four, who's been really getting better and better. You ha- you have uh, a horse like Nest, who's kind of the wild card, who's you know who's won a bunch of you know not a bunch of stakes, but the Grade One winners won a couple stakes. You have the filly from from Dubai, uh, who looks a little bit slow, but I mean she has won a bunch of races and well, not a bunch but i think she's won two stakes this year and yeah there just seems to be like it's more the favorites are, are a little bit more legitimate uh, than they have more form they they literally have more form and the bizarre thing is that you would think it would be opposite <laughs> but but uh yeah that that race is you know I mean, I was I was looking at the points today um, for the Oaks, and it's like you know, like hidden connections kind of down, kind of low, but has every right to win a race like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, hidden connection is a, is a horse that um, you know ran ran well as a two year old, and then really kind of never got. I mean, had had some. Issues. I think she had some issues coming out of the gate in the uh, the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, and then didn't really run that well first time back. But I mean, she gave Echo Zulu everything that that she could handle last time, and I know the whole world is now down on Echo Zulu and thinking, you know, all of a sudden she sucks because <laughs> you know, she didn't run a huge race off the layoff, but um. I mean, like you said, she's run well before. The distance should be within her uh, capabilities. Uh, she's, you know, a filly that that you know, can lay up a little bit off the pace. Um, I mean, you know, she's got to have a. She's got to win at Churchill. <laughs> yeah, right. Win over the track. She's she's got to have a fighting shot in here. Um. You were correct about uh, Kathleen O. Her last race was a monstrous race. We, we actually, you know, saw it in person. Yeah. Um, but she got a, a zero on the thoroughbreds. <laughs> a Zippo, Zilcho, which is good. Uh, Nest, Nest got a one to, for, you know, an easy win. At uh, Keeneland in the grade one. 
you won't see many horses win a grade one easier than that. The track was a little bit wet, though, so you always have to take that into consideration. Yes. You know, there, there's a horse that's flying way under the radar is, uh, is Desert Dawn, my man Phil D'Amato. She ran really well last time, and, and people are going to kind of poo-poo it because it was a small field. But uh, she really jumped up and and ran a number that, that puts her right in the mix here and is actually better than quite a few of the other horses that are going to be bad. Why well, so um, um, <clears throat> kind of analyze stake races from, you know, when horses ship out of California. They're always running in short fields, and it's like, you know. Right. No, that's true, but we're also looking at a horse that's probably going to be 20 to 1. True. Um, but... You know, Secret Oath, I, the one thing I was worried about with Secret Oath was that she peaked too early. And if she started running really fast numbers for a two-year-old filly right at the end of December, um, You know, regression was, put it this way, once you start running numbers that fast, if you keep improving on numbers that are super, super, super fast as a, as a young three-year-old filly, you're going to get into the territory of, you know, greatest horse ever <laughs> if you keep improving. <laughs> so what are the odds of that happening? Like, they're, you know, remote so the fact is that it's hard for a horse, for a young horse to, to just maintain. You know, when you, you look at older turf horses, and a lot of times they'll run the same race over and over and over and over mm -hmm. and over again. And they're very, very consistent. Well, younger horses generally, as they turn, you know, two to three, even though it's not technically turning two to three, it's an artificial two to three. It's not their birthday, the first Unless, unless the breeder was really cutting it close. <laughs> but, um, you know, you want to see a steady progression. Even if they, 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 they pair up numbers for a couple starts and then make a little bit of a jump and a little bit of a jump. You hate to see huge jumps because you just wonder, you know, what's the real, you know, was it just the fact that the horse got a perfect trip on a speed-favoring track or... You know, had all the elements just blend together for one spectacular race, way above its its normal, you know, running ability, and, and but that that was the thing about Secret Oath that really kind of makes me pause a little bit. And that last race was a tough race. I mean, she got into trouble early, and then the jock just you know balconied it, the nineteen pass, and <laughs> that just is. Uh, Oh, that that's 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 tough to do uh you know there's a horse that never wins that that's also i think a potential long shot in in the um in the oaks and, and i think that's that's the other todd pletcher horse goddess of fire yeah was always knocking on the door she doesn't get there very often well she hardly ever gets there at all to be honest with you but <laughs> Kind of an interesting horse, but but uh, no, it's it's uh it's it's a good race. It's it's a really good race. Yeah, it's definitely stronger than the the Derby. I think this year. 
there's there's quite a few horses in that race that that are seem like they're getting you know sitting on a good race too. Uh, the Derby is is just going to be wide open, but you know you can't really handicap the Derby until until you figure out a few other things. So, anyways, anyways, Pizza Bianca got beat yesterday, and I couldn't really. I mean, I did okay. I bet against Pizza Bianca because I looked at the race and I said to myself, Pizza Bianca got a perfect trip in the Derby, and it was a fortunate trip. Jose Ortiz gave him a great ride, but he he got through every time he needed to, and he saved ground. And um, the Philly that he was you know the the main contender in in the race yesterday what was that the winter memories right that was the name of the yeah, race yesterday. Winter, yep winter it was memories. uh jimmy toner philly um she didn't get the benefit of of getting that same trip so you know my thought process was kind of like why would i um you know, I got to try to beat her with the Philly that got the trip that wasn't quite as good. Uh, consumer spending. Um, and she did. I mean, she 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 won. Uh, the, I mean, I thought consumer spending was the horse to beat in a race. And she was she wound up going off two to one choice. Yeah. And those two just looked like they were a, a cut above and. Unfortunately, uh, I, I had minor minor scores, but because um, I couldn't figure the last race out very well, my only ticket I cash was a cover bet. But um, <laughs> but no, that was it was a a good a good comeback, and and those two, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of parity in that division. I think there's quite a few good three-year-old turf fillies, and we'll see what happens with the uh, the big race, the grade ones with the big money, to see who uh, who the Europeans bring over. In in particular, uh, you know, Appleby, <laughs> Charlie App, Charlie Applebee's, because he just crushed him. He doesn't lose, or hasn't lost. No, he 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 ran a, a training clinic here last year. But um, you know, you'd almost expect he, he can't quite do as well as he did last year. I mean, they they ran first or second in almost all the races. <laughs> it's just crazy. But um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the summertime. I really am. It's been a long winter. Yeah, definitely. Our arch enemy, Channel Maker, won the Ilkhorn. I can't believe that. It's dumbfounded. It's a triple A type of grade two. It's but that's you no, know, he gets a win a year, basically. It was it was a weird, like weirdly run race. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of speed in it for a mile and a half race. It's so funny. We see so many turf races in this country where there's like no speed. And then we get these mile and a half races and there is speed. 
I thought Scalding looked good winning the Ben Alley. Mm, yeah, and Dynamic mm-hmm. actually didn't look mm. bad. The B, the B team. I mean, that was a B team race. Um, I really wish we was talking about. I talked about this yesterday a little bit in the newsletter about. We all understand that the lure of $20 million for the Saudi Cup and what's it, $16 million or $12 million for the Dubai Cup is going to probably take our best horses away in the springtime. It's just a significant amount of money, far, far, far more than the horses could earn here. And that's just the way it is. But you would think that we could do something to tie our races together, the domestic races, to make them um, attractive for the second-tier type horse that goes over to Dubai and then runs up the track hmm. at 20-1. to 1. Instead, stay home and, you know, like connect the Pegasus to Santa Anita Handicap, um, like the Oak Lawn Park Handicap, and, and maybe, um, you know, Pimlico Special, just to to take prestigious races that have kind of fallen in stature because there's so many other races. I mean, you look about the, look at what we have for older horses right now. Okay, mm-hmm. yesterday or Saturday, excuse me, we ran the Oak Lawn Handicap. We ran the Ben Alley. Uh, in less than two weeks, we're running the Alley Sheba. There's three races for older horses. In a short period of time, uh, if you add another two weeks, we have the Pimlico Special. I mean, they do; they still have the Pimlico Special, right? The day before the old, uh, the Preakness. So, so you're talking in, in about a uh, a four week period, four stake races for the same type of horses. It doesn't make sense to have four stake races for the same type of horses. And Churchill's not going to change the Ali Sheba. Right? It's going to be, it's going to be that. It's going to be where it is always. Right. <laughs> now, I would like to see, and I know there's, a, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. We really should have developed a miler class in this country. If we're going to have a Breeders' Cup race, the Dirt Mile, then we should have a division. Yeah. Why not have a division? (laughs) The division just shouldn't be the Met Mile. I mean, we should have mile races. If we're going to have all these, uh, I mean, call them what they were. These are B-team races. The Ali Sheba, the Ben Ali, even the Oakland Park Handicap. And it was a million dollars. But there was no A-level horses in that race. I mean, let's let's develop something instead of having, you know, all these races put together some sort of series some that, that, that ties together the domestic older horse division in the early part of the year. But put together a spot, get a sponsor, put um, standings and bonus points. You know, something like the, the old American Championship Racing Series, but just have it be for the first part of the year. It doesn't have to go all year reconfigure when the, the dates some of these races and and make them big races and make it make the big races bigger 
and let some of these other races maybe become preps or, or make them develop them into a division for milers on the dirt because what what races do we really have going a mile on the dirt outside of the met mile nothing significant you, you could turn the Ali Sheba and, and I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, well, the Churchill Downs handicap is a grade one and it's seven ace. So that would be redundant. Okay. Make the Elisheba three quarters and make the Churchill Downs handicap a mile. Stretch it out another furlong. Make the Elisheba the sprint race. I mean, what what runnings of the Elisheba have been so great that that race needs to be persevered with as is. I can't even remember the last I mean, good one. <laughs> it's generally like seven or eight horses. It's generally like, you know, a couple allowance horses, a couple you know, decent stake horses, you know, graded horses. But it's it's never... It's not something that, that can't be changed. Even if you made it six and a half, make it six and a half, make it the sprint, make the Churchill down handicap, which already has grade one status, stretch it out to a mile. So you would have horses that would run in the Churchill Downs handicap and then they could run in the Met Mile. Ha, voila, we have the beginning of a division. If you work for the Breeders' Cup, and you listen to this, we're, we're, we're trying to give you hints for free. <laughs> free. You don't have to pay the suits to give you stupid ideas. Like, hey, races should be televised. No shit. <laughs> Wouldn't that be better for, for that race? Instead, the Churchill Downs handicap, 7 ace on Derby Day, grade one, is the prep for what? The distorted humor? Like a grade three a month from now at Churchill? Nope. Make it a mile. Change it. Change the Elisheba. We don't need another mile and a 16th older horse grade two. Make it six and a half. Then guess what we can do? We can get freaky and and make a bonus. Put a bonus between those two. If a horse wins both races, they get a bonus of some sort. Or, huh, maybe they could get a entrance into the Breeders' Cup. I mean, who would be against this idea? Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody would be against it. <laughs> so I mean, I I don't I don't see why anyone would be against it. You want to get involved, the uh, Stronic Group people? Put up a mile race, make it a real race. Put it put it on I don't know Fountain of Youth Day so that we can have enough spread between the two six weeks something like that perfect 
create a division. If you're going to have a championship race, Breeders' Cup people, create a division. It was always the the kind of the the silly thing about the Breeders' Cup dirt marathon. There was literally no races outside of that stupid race at parks. Uh, because all races at parks are generally stupid outside of the Pennsylvania <laughs> Derby. But, I mean, they are. They just are. But, I mean, it was there was no lead-ins. <laughs> <You know? laughs> How do you develop a horse to become a mile and three-quarters horse in this country on the, tur on the dirt? There, there was, you know, hardly any races. If you're going to have that race, then you need to create ways to to have a bridge to that race. And they never did. And that's why the race wound up basically like a glorified starter handicap. We got like sea level horses shipping from Europe, just taking shots. And it always had a big field, but it wasn't really, I mean... Some years it was barely even in graded stakes quality. Just a hodgepodge of slow horses. Hodgepodge. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of, they got rid of, of course, but it was one of the things that, that, um, it never made sense to me was, was why I understood why you would want to have that and why, uh, you know, the, the, the stamina question we always get about, uh, you know, Breeders won't breed for stamina anymore. Well, why would they? What races are there for that are stamina? You know, what, what, where is stamina really a a place where they're going to uh, to profit from a horse with stamina? You know what you get with a horse with stamina if they're not a graded stake horse or they're not a five claimer. You have nowhere to run. Turf, of course, being a little bit of a different story, but on the dirt. I've had it before. I had plenty of horses that were just okay and really wanted to go two turns on the dirt, and we could not get races for them. We could not get maidens for them. We could not get allowance races. We couldn't get, uh, you know, mid-price claimers. Two turns on the dirt became like a dirty word at some point over the last, you know, 15 years or so. And if the habits... Uh, of the trainers and the connections don't change on a, on a, on a regular basis, then why would we think that just because you hung up a, a mile and three quarters dirt race as a breeder's cup race, that people were going to change their habits for one race. They're just not going to. So. Well, do you think that was the goal of the breeder's cup? I, I don't know. There's so, there's so little transparency that, that happens. Um, and that, that's a racing thing. Um, and it's really a weakness of racing and it's something that that's hurt racing because there, let me, let me just explain the two things that really piss me off about racing. One is a lack of transparency. Everything is, is kept in the dark and there was always this kind of undertone. Well, the horsemen, they don't really need to know. They're not that smart to uh, the betters, they don't really need to know. You know, they they'll take what we give them, and it's just come back to bite us in the ass a lot. Um, you should be transparent because people, uh, you should be truthful. That's another thing. This business, there's so much that that's like, lying is acceptable. 
And there are situations where I think fans get a little overzealous and thinking, oh, well, we, sh- we have a right to know. Well, you don't have a right to know some of the things, but they should tell you, especially if it's not uh, a situation that's, that's going to incriminate someone or, or someone's going to be fired over something. I, I would understand. I, I wouldn't say, yeah, I'm the idiot that did this and caused this and yeah, you know, <laughs> fire me. <laughs> I'm not expecting people to stick their head in the guillotine, but how do I say this? Uh, I just don't think racing executives understand that. And this is kind of an across the board thing. And I think sometimes, sometimes that, that, um, a couple different people or different tracks kind of poison the, the well for everyone else in that a lot of people involved in this industry, whether they be betters or horsemen, there is serious distrust. I mean, like if you, you know, the jockey club, they don't want to hear it, but nobody trusts them. I mean, they've, they've talked down to everyone for a long time and you know what it's 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 just it's just a lack of respect that they have and and you show people a lack of respect for a long enough time and well what do you think the people are going to do they're going to you know turn <laughs> well it's it's like they're going to hold up a mirror and they're going to you know that that lack of respect is going to come right back at you and that wasn't always so and maybe we were just suckers in, in previous eras. But it just seems though racing has gotten more secretive about a lot of things. And and I think that if you just explained, if you took the time to explain things to people, even controversial decisions, even things that people aren't going to find um, popular, I think if you explained why you're doing it, then... You're going to have the majority of people at least give you uh, the benefit of the doubt. They're thinking, well, these people are trying and these people are doing things that are, um, you know, they're, they're letting us know what they're doing it for. And we don't always agree, but at least I understand their side of the story. I've had conversations with racing officials and, and, and racing secretaries for years and years and years and years and years. And, generally off the record most racing secretaries are are brutally honest and they get what's going on and and you know they can't always say it um of course because there's always some political fallout you can't (laughs) call a big trainer who's a pain in your ass uh, in public a, a pain in your ass but um but it just that's inside stuff and and that that doesn't help everyone else that doesn't help the masses right um for example our naira comes up with this um this pick three that you're going to start at belmont on sundays yeah three dollar and it's kind of a copycat of keeneland's three dollar turf pick three which is fine the three dollar turf pick three is a really good bet, despite <laughs> some guys on the Twitter saying, "Oh, it's an elitist bet." Come on, guys, 
three bucks. It isn't a thirty dollar debt. It's not. It, it's not a fifty dollar minimum. It's not two thousand dollar minimum. It's a good bet. But what makes it a good bet isn't just the fact that it's not a low minimum bet, so people can't just spread like crazy and and you depress the final payoffs. But because Keeneland has uh, excellent field size for turf races, I mean, you rarely see a, a Keeneland field on the turf less than seven or eight horses, rarely. And most of the time, it's 10. And the third thing is, it's a low takeout bet. Takeout, yes. It's 15, right? Or 15. Right. 15% bet. So you feel a little bit better about investing into that pool because you know it's a low takeout bet and because there isn't a 50 cent option or a 20 cent option or or even a dollar option it's a three dollar minimum therefore you won't see guys just cover cover you know single cover cover that gets really expensive but you you find that the payoffs are are damn good. Oh yeah. Even when it doesn't quote unquote doesn't pay. <laughs> so Naira copies it, but they make it a twenty four percent takeout, which is like stunningly just. Ah. If someone from Naira had come out and said it's twenty four percent, we know it's high because they have to know it's high. <laughs> they can't look at the other rates and say, oh, this is a good bet. It's not. It's not a good bet. It's a shitty bet. There are other not Naira picks. And when you say, well, there are other pick threes and pick four and pick five. Yeah, they're not great either. People bet them anyways. You could do better. Get a lot of money from slots. A lot. Cut your takeout. And yeah, you got to go to the legislature. They're not going to stop you from doing that. But if someone from now had come out and say, "Yeah, we understand it's high, but um, you know, we we didn't want to undercut our other ones, maybe." I, so give me some excuse. And of course, you know, the other the other thing was, "Oh, we're going to take out the we don't let the CAW." Oh, play. the CAW player. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of in it's easy to look at that and say, "So." Well, it would be kind of um, you're you're making them a negative by saying, "Oh, we're not going to let them in this pool." So you're saying that they're a negative because you're you're promoting the fact they're not let let in the pool, right? So I mean, you're equating the CAW players with bad. So you're saying, "Okay, we're not going to let them," but then you say to yourself, "Well, you let them in the other pools, right?" Oh, we cut them off here. It's just getting to be a point of, of, of silliness. But your bet sucks because it's twenty four percent takeout. If the bet was eighteen percent takeout, it would be good. If it was fifteen percent, it'd be great. If it was twenty percent, if it was less than the less regular four, <laughs> but twenty four percent is a bad bet. Like, I'm tired of hearing about your stupid TV show. It's the truth. It's listen. It's great that we have racing on TV. It's awesome. 
and it's in high def and, and, and they cover a lot of races. That's great. But stop giving them so much credit. All oh, handles going up because of this. Stop. Stop. You want handle to go up? Cut your take out. I hate to do it because it, it's still kind of a fresh wound, but the Pompano Pick 4, the low takeout, the 12% Pick 4, it literally created a racetrack. Pompano was dead. Nobody was betting that place. Nobody. It was dead. And because it was dead, they let Gabe do whatever they wanted to. They took shots. What's the worst that can happen? I just don't figure, I can't figure out why. David O'Rourke was in a conference last fall and he said, he, he quote, 24% high, it's too high. So what do we get? We get a new wager at 24%. And that just makes people like me nuts. Not not just me, lots of people. You pull your hair out. Huh. Well, you know, pull my <laughs> beard out. But it, it, it's... It's just, and then they don't, they don't even acknowledge it. Like there's no, at least I haven't seen anywhere where it, it said why it, that bet is, is so, is a 24% take. Why? Oh, or why would they think that nobody would question that? Like, That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like when you guys come up with this stuff, the, they, they don't just say, Hey, you know, 24%, eh, 24%. If you're a racetrack, let me just say this right now. If you work for a racetrack and you come up with a 24% takeout bet, you're gonna get you're gonna get shit on. <laughs> you just are. <laughs> and you can do you're probably gonna do it anyways. But it defies logic. It defies logic, especially at a track with strong handle and, and a wide distribution and a and a chance to really promote it. just seems i mean if you're not letting the 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 computer players in well the, the rebates shouldn't be an issue right so you should have more more to work with hmm. right their explanation didn't match up with the <laughs> Did they really give an explanation? I mean, they kind of announced it, but they kind of, well, they didn't. Well, I wouldn't say an announcement, but or explanation, <clears throat> but it it just didn't make any sense why they included the part with the CAW players. I get why they did it. I mean, it, it's kind of like a marketing. Well, tool was their whole thing? They sat in a room and was like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just angle this this way." And we have twenty four percent takeout. I mean, that it it had to be more than one conversation about takeout on this bet. You know, it's it's like when when uh, when your starting pitcher's struggling, and and you know everyone's dying for the manager to take him out, and he goes to the bullpen and he takes him out. So, all right, great. And then he brings in like the worst reliever. <laughs> like, okay, you're gonna cut the CAW people out, and you're gonna make a three dollar bet minimum. Okay, fine, great, that's awesome. 
but then you're gonna make 24%. It's just, uh, I mean, are we supposed to meet loaf it? Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> let this, let them in, let the player, let the, let the computer guys in. If you're going to make it 18%. Right. And at least I may be crazy here, but a lot of that is with odds changes. You can't really do that when you're doing a pick three. I mean, you can cover a lot of combinations, but it's going to cost you. Some of these things just don't make make sense to me. Maybe... uh... I just feel like they think we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they they can't. Not all the time because remember the the jockey bubble. They stole that idea. Well, yeah. they stole it, but they 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 used it after we talked about it. Jockey bubble. I should have. They should go back to the jockey bubble. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> I've spent most of the last year and a half trying to beat Latrushka. And the beat goes on. I'm just not going to do it anymore. If there's not going to be extreme pace pressure, they're just not going to beat her. Yeah. They're going to let her run her race. And she's going to be really tough to beat. Right. If Especially at a mile on the sixteenth. Yeah, if if you get a, a situation like the British Cup, that was like every indication. I mean, that she wasn't gonna fire. I mean, with the workout <laughs> and the the pace scenario, just was not go her way. It never was going to. And she ran like it. But the other day, she was lights out, but... She that was a, the Breeders' Cup was a nuclear pace <laughs> meltdown. Yeah. That was like a reactor melting down. That was like Three Mile Island. That, that was... Those kind of paces anymore. That was right. That was like... That was crazy. That was ridiculous. I remember way back when, I think 1985 or so... What that happened in the jockey, not the jockey club, the uh coaching club American Oaks, and it was a mile and a half. And I think they went 44 and four to the half. Oh my god, in that, in that race, I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was a, I, I, I just seem to think it was, I seem to remember 1985 and Lucas, <laughs> yeah. Gene Klein horse? I think so. I think George Velasquez was on the horse. That would make sense. I, I want to say George Velasquez was on the horse, but but um yeah, that was like the only time I really ever saw I can recall in, in like a, a race of that status to, to have a just a a, a ludicrous face. <laughs> <laughs> it was just ludicrous. <laughs> But that that's that's how you beat Latrushka. You're just not gonna you're not gonna let her go ahead for forty seven and change and think you're gonna beat her. 
And if it's around one turn, she's not going to go 46 and change, and you're not going to beat her. It's just, it's just not going to happen. She's just too tough. Um, and I, I give her, I give Faustino Gutierrez a lot of credit because keeping a, a filly like her, who's a tough filly to train, who's who's headstrong, and she's not nearly as headstrong as she used to be. Um, I mean, that was kind of her. Uh, her kryptonite was that she just was too strong in, in the the early part of races and uh she just didn't leave anything you know there was nothing left but he got her to to settle and he's kept her good for a long time now and that's not easy to do we've seen a lot of fillies that just tail off um i mean look, look at rachel alexandra she had a lot of tough races and as a four-year-old she wasn't near what she was as a three-year-old uh, look at winning colors lady secret um who had you know long campaigns year after year and when they were done they were just like done um but latrushka's does she's danced she danced a lot of dances last year too and that that's another thing that i will give them credit for because uh we don't see it that often anymore and i kind of feel a little guilty because like i said i, I always look look to beat her <laughs> you know <laughs> trying to beat her because she's always a short price favorite but um but no she's uh she's a really really good really really good filly yeah I mean, I mean you gotta try to beat horses like that but like you said it's it's kind of really obvious that if she has it on a you know her own way up front she's almost untouchable or pretty much untouchable. No, she's she's a good good she's a really good filly and and um that was a good field. I mean Clarier yeah. and, and, and Cece are I mean they're legit grade one horses. Clarier with a, just a little bit of luck would have won that breeders staff. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they would have brought her back. I I mean after winning that they might have they might not have brought her back. But she's, you know, a legit horse, and um, and Cece, of course, is is a legit horse, and you know, Cece might be a little bit better, going a little bit shorter, but but she's she's good, you know. Kind of talked about the Oakland Park handicap. Yes. I gotta say, I didn't see Last Samurai being a horse that won a million dollar race. <laughs> Neither did I. Beginning of the season, but uh, here we are. Yes, sir. We are. We are at that. We are at that part uh, of the of the season where it's kind of nuts how much money they give out at Oakland Park. <laughs> uh, they race the Oakland Stakes for three year olds on Saturday, and it was. It was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar allowance race, and supposedly the winner gets a automatic bid into the Preakness. And I'm, I just don't know why that stake exists. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, it uh, was like that's really bizarre. Like th there was no stake horses in the race. It's a stake horse, but there's no stake horses. And then they're going to give a horse that uh, a free pass into the Preakness, which is fine, but. 
I think the only horse in the race that wasn't eligible for an A other than won the Brad Cox horse. The rest of them were eligible for an A other than. I mean, we need less stakes, not more stakes. Yeah, I need to downgrade those California ones. And this race isn't graded, and it shouldn't be graded. And if the grading stakes committee even like considers grading this race, that they should be, uh, they they should be arrested. <laughs> they should go. They should go directly to to jail. <laughs> you gonna give them the community chest card? They would. They would. We would have a a whole stack of them. Chance. <laughs> we would just. We would just t- hand them right out. No, that race should not be graded. It should never be graded. There's no point in it, and it's at a time of the year where we just don't need another three-year-old stakes. And and um, and that's that. Can't think of the name of Philly. Mother, there wasn't the mother. It was the Coaching Club American Oaks. You know, it's really. And we've talked about this before. It sucks that 1992 is like the first year that that thoroughbred racing has statistics. That's insane to think about because of how long the history is. I can't look up the Mother Goose chart from from 1985 or 86 or 84, whenever the hell it was. You said 85, right? I thought it was 85. I thought it was 85. Um, the Coaching Club American Oaks used to be a lot bigger race. than it. Like, when I was a kid, the Coaching Club America Oaks and the Kentucky Oaks were about, you know, about the same. In, uh, in stature. You said in '85. Uh, mom wasn't Mom's command. No, it might have been '84. Last play, Peter yeah. Brandt. Yeah. Or was it '87? No, no, I don't think so. It wasn't Valley Victory. It wasn't Mom's Command. I think Mom's Command went wire to wire. And she was a good horse. She was really good. <laughs> I'm positive it wasn't high schemes. I think it was class play. Damn, we can't even see the chart. No. Nope. No charts. Sometimes... You can Google. Um, you can Google stuff, and and you might get like the New York Times. Yeah, um, you, you can see the image of the the paper. A lot of times, if Andy Byer or Stephen Chris wrote about it, we can get the article. But um, yes. I can hear your 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 uh, 
computer. <laughs> yeah, you type really fast, man. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm like a, a chicken pecking. I'm, impre- I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, I can't find any of this. Yeah, and, and getting like YouTube videos of races back then are, are really kind of, it's really <laughs> spotty. Yeah, it's hit or miss. It is funny though. Sometimes you know you you try to go down these um, you go down these rabbit holes and you look up some of these old articles. Stephen Christ, nineteen August thirty first, nineteen eighty four. The 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 uh, the headline: High purses fail to attract quality. <laughs> Wow. Here we are. Right. <laughs> 40 years later, saying the same damn thing. <laughs> uh, here, here's exactly what he said. The big races and big money are in place for a busy Labor Day racing week around, around the country, but the big horses are missing. Rarely has so much money been given away amid such mediocrity. You don't have a single turf rider these days that, that could write that without getting in trouble with their bosses. They won't say it publicly, but it's true. Everybody's a ninny at this point. <sighs> wow, the Meadowlands ran a hundred days. <laughs> hundred days. Day fall meet this year? No, and and this is 1984. Oh, in 84, they ran a hundred day fall meet with a with its usual program of night racing Monday through Saturday. I was gonna say they they probably went straight for almost four months, six days a week, man. The meet begins tomorrow night with a special 8.30 p.m. post time designed to give fans attending the closing day card at Monmouth Park some extra driving time. So they actually ran a race, a, a race the closing day card at Monmouth, and the opening day card at the Meadowlands on the same day. <laughs> a nine-race card is highlighted by two divisions of the Violet Handicap for Phillies and Mares on the Grass. Two divisions. Yep. Rossard toleration and entry of high schemes and mintage top a field of 13 in the first division with the stronger field of 12, include, including Jubilus, Aspen Rose, If Winter Comes, and Kattegat's Pride in the second. God, racing. So, could you imagine 25 horses entered in the Violet Handicap? 25. 25 fillies were entered in that stake. The last time I remember anything like that was one of those opening day stakes at Del Mar. They ran two divisions, and that was years ago. It was before Sabria was born, so it had to be sometime in like 2012, 2011. Yeah, it's uh, 
some of the stuff you can find is just really you know you forget a lot of stuff too i mean it, of course that was that was 38 years ago so <laughs> forgive me for forgetting stuff but um yeah so many different things the Meadowlands now runs what like a, a, an eight card meet <laughs> a nine card meet <laughs> they ran more than that in two weeks I used to love meat, man. Look at this. I found a, a coaching club American Oaks wiki le a wiki um page in German. <laughs> and I don't well, I don't speak German, but yeah, coaching club American Oaks from nineteen seventeen. Wow. I don't really know what they're saying because you know, <laughs> they did have mom's command though. Ruffian. Ruffian. Yeah, it's uh, that's why that book Champions is so great. But the limitations of Champions is that they just have the PPs for the Champions. So I guess if you didn't win an Eclipse, then you didn't get a uh, you didn't get a uh. mention so I do remember I, I, I cashed a ticket on that Philly class plate on, on, on the Belmont day that Swale won the Belmont 1984 it's kind of a tough thing the other day when Midnight Bourbon Kick the bucket. Yeah, I remember when when Swale passed. That was yeah. On, on the on the wash rack. It was that was big news. Yeah, that was that was a big thing, man. No, Midnight Bourbon. I mean, he never won, but he always ran good. Yeah, ran great every time. Yeah, he always ran. He always ran good. Never finished, so he always lost ground that last eighth. Always, always, every freaking time. But um, yeah, he passed away. And you know what really sucks is, is that, is that uh. Everyone starts to over speculate, right? I mean, make insinuations, and and I think part of that is the fallout from the 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 Baffert deal, and you have these mm -hmm. nuts to get on every time anything happens. They bring Baffert up, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. 
oh, well, you know, are you guys going to you know, criticize Asmussen like you would if it was Baffert? Like, whatever happened to be like, oh, shit, a really good horse died. Uh, I kind of feel bad. That sucks. Oh, it must be drugs. <laughs> you people need to take drugs. <laughs> or the, the insinuation that Baffert's still calling the shots on those horses. Let me just explain to you training horses, okay? Training horses is not like coaching basketball or football. You're not installing a different offense this this week. You're not going to you're not going to trick them with a zone defense instead of man to man. You're not going to change up your starting lineup. Training horses is the same at this point. Oh, Bob said work on 5 instead of 6 or, or, or 4 instead of 5. Guess what? They do about the same. <laughs> Sometimes they'll work five from the from the four. Sometimes they'll work six from the five. Sometimes they'll gallop out strong, strong as if they were still working. There's just not much to call. There's not there's not many shots to call at this point. You're galloping your horse or you're jogging it. The pattern has been the same pattern that they've been using will be pretty much the same. They will have mapped out a schedule weeks ago, and that's just all there is to it. Horses don't respond well to motivational speeches. <laughs> I mean, Dang it. the idea that they're, they're he's calling the shots behind the scenes. Well, what shots are there to call? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Don't don't get the horse hurt. <laughs> right. Okay, what's he gonna do tomorrow? Oh, he's gonna gobble him out on three ace. Well, the assistants know what he's been doing. No one does that much different, anyways. You see the horses. Okay, this is the one week or the two weeks of the year where you see a lot of training being done. It's the same stuff. Everyone's doing pretty much the same thing. This is like the training, training, training part about of 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 this was was a long time ago. The horses know what to do now. You're just conditioning at this point. You're not really training anybody anymore. Oh, well, they're they're gonna you know have them school three times instead of two or five. None of that matters. Oh well, look, he did this and he won. Well, maybe if he hadn't done it, he would have won by more. <laughs> <laughs> training horses is the most inexact science that there is, and. At this point, when you get to this close to the race, there's very rarely any curveballs. Everything's monitored. Everybody's under the microscope. You can't even do um, therapy in some cases. I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter at this point. Guys like Steve Asmussen have seven divisions. <laughs> How often do you think he's at uh, Oklahoma or one of other places once a week, maybe. And Steve will fly all over the place and drive all over the place. Cause he's a maniac. But how often do you think he gets the aqueduct in the winter time? He could be running horses simultaneously at Oaklawn, Keeneland, Remington, aqueduct, uh, whatever hell tracks open in Louisiana. Whatever tracks open to Texas, on the, on the at the same time. Oh, 
That's it's one of the the funny things that people really truly believe. Oh yeah, the Mavericks still calling the shots. Trust me, there's not many shots to call at this point. It's it's what are you gonna do? You're gonna work their horse a couple times. How far are you gonna work them? It's gonna be it's gonna be four or five or six. That's it. That's it. But people are gonna believe what they want to believe, I guess, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So often happens in thoroughbred racing. You see it every day on Twitter. That we piece together what happened after the fact. (laughs) And they go back and say, well, see, they did this to this and this and that. And that, yeah. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) If it were were only that. If it was only that easy. If it was only that easy. No, in this country, we we if you're training at a racetrack, you're not doing anything a whole lot different than everybody else. You just aren't. Pafford, you could say what you want about the guy. He was a great trainer. But the best skill he had as a trainer was getting people to send him real horses. At the last over the last twenty years, maybe when he was he was on the rise, he took a lot of horses that weren't um, grade one, grade A prospects, and and did great with them, unbelievably good with them. I can train a horse, regardless of your feelings about him. But at this point, it's just uh, you know he's 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 got. Alabama recruits in, in California. <laughs> you race against Vanderbilt a lot out there. Not we're not talking Mr. Vanderbilt. We're talking Vanderbilt, the you know, the smart guy school with the you know 250 pound linemen. So there I defended Bafford, all you Bafford acolytes are sure to be <laughs> complaining about something. Those people are just so miserable. I thought people in California were all like happy and like like they smoke weed and they're high all the time and they went to Venice Beach. Why are the people out there so miserable? I mean I still think that. Is it the traffic? It might be. Is it the Pretty Lakers? Good. Is is it the Lakers? Yeah, it's the Lakers. Dodgers are good though. Well, they should be to have a twelve million dollar or twelve million, uh, twelve billion dollar payroll. <laughs> <laughs> you ever think we'd be in a situation where Magic Johnson would be an executive with the Dodgers and not the not the Lakers? Not the Lakers, yeah. <laughs> it just seems that's wild. So, it just seems so backwards. Anyways. Well, that's about all I have this week. And no, Craig, I know you're saying right now, you're you're chuckling and saying, all right, he's going to talk for like another 45 minutes, but it's not <laughs> going to happen. It's not going to happen. The buck stops here. The bucks <laughs> are not stopping. They're going to roll over the bulls. But um, Yeah, kind of like the Celtics over the Nets. <sighs> no resistance at all, like... <laughs> You know, we talked about like winning colors and Lady Secret, like when they just kind of tailed off. 
what do you call this? What, what is what about Kevin Durant? Oh, dude. You know I mean? He I, made a couple plays today. He was he was getting guarded by Grant Williams, who he's about a f- half a foot taller than, and he 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 went by him relatively easily, and just missed like six foot shots. And I mean, this is not. I mean, last year you look at last year's playoffs. He, they rode that guy. They rode him. Mm-hmm. He was everything for that team, and. He has not been good. He, he he was, and it's hard to criticize him because he's been great for so long. I mean, the Olympic team, the U.S. Olympic team last summer, they rode him hard. Mm-hmm. He, he was, you know, single handedly sometimes uh, the the entire offense of the team. And, and you just wonder maybe playing in that Olympics last year after that um, after the season that ended late and. You know, coming right in here and then, ha- you know, getting injured a couple times and, and not getting to play uh, with the team that they started the year out with, having to be so dependent. You just wonder if maybe he's he's hurt and he's not saying anything or he just is starting to wear down. Guy's been playing in the NBA for a long time. He's had major, major injuries. 14 years? <sighs> Something like that. But he really, I mean, I think he had like you know thirty something points tonight. But he missed a lot of. Sh- he doesn't miss. He was missing foul shots. It's just he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look right. You you turn back the clock a year, and the same time frame last year, Milwaukee was was having all kinds of trouble with him. All kinds of trouble. They were lucky to to escape, but. You know Boston's good, but but man, the, the the Nets just don't look. You know the Nets. You know the other thing is, Patty Mills tailed off at the end of the season. He's yeah. not young. I... <laughs> they signed uh, um, the point guard uh, that played for Miami, um, Dragic. Dragic. He's, he's not young. He missed most of the season. You know Kyrie has his moments, but even him, he, he's. He's it's so inconsistent. Lamarcus Aldridge is not young. <laughs> I mean, it's not a young team. Seth Curry's not young. So that team has a lot of. Uh, they got to figure out what they're going to be. I was going to say yeah. they got they got uh, <laughs> the guys the best line. <laughs> the guy said Ben Simmons. <laughs> So the Nets are struggling and they need help. And Ben Simmons is sitting over on the bench like us, look like a pack of Starburst. <laughs> Orange pants and pink shirt. And, oh, man. <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, we make fun of him, but he did collect like 34 million bucks this year not to Doing play. Nothing. <laughs> Those reputations and tatters. <laughs> Bob Baffert's is more admirers than Ben Simmons. At this point, probably, yeah, definitely. But the, you know the the theme of the NBA playoffs so far is kind of a, a thoroughbred racing theme. A lot of injuries, man. A lot of injuries. A lot of guys got hurt, and and key guys too. Not just yeah, uh, yeah Booker. 
Well, and Biebs got a, a torn um, face. Well, that all the time, but he's got a torn uh, what bright uh, ligament in his thumb. Um, Stay healthy. Middleton's out. Uh, Booker's out. Chris Paul's been hurt. <laughs> I'd say Simmons is out, but he he, he was never in. <laughs> but there's you know oh, there's other guys as well. It's it's uh, survival of the fittest in, in a lot of ways, and, and of course now the Heat suddenly look look Great. like they're 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 making uh they're making their move. Yeah. They're playing way better defense. Like, man, they just shut Atlanta down the other day, man. Yeah, that was that that was old school. They they beat up on on uh, old Trey Young a little bit too. They were uh, they 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 were they were giving him as much physical play and and as many kind of cheap shots as you're allowed to give these days. He got him off of his game. Yeah, he was. Right. He was rattled. Miami, you know, Spolster's a great coach. He she changed um he changed up the lineup about I don't know. A couple months ago. Yeah, not not not, not even that. Or not like, after like, the yeah, like 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 four or five weeks ago. Yeah. And they took they 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 brought Robinson off the bench and they started that guy match Max Stouse. Strout. A, a guy that got off the, the streets. Yeah. He he was literally <laughs> They're, they're they're sixteen and oh well they lost one game when they played the uh the magic in the last game of the season when they didn't start anybody when they didn't play anybody you know it was basically they treated it like a preseason game but they didn't lose any regular season games when they tried and then I think they're what three and one in the playoffs so they're like sixteen and one with the guy starting Just... yeah I saw him uh, when when I went to see them uh in Orlando, um, he played really well. Actually, kind of stood out a little bit. Guy from DePaul, yeah. It's been a Mark Aguirre was the last guy from DePaul. Rod, Rod Strickland, man. Remember DePaul for like a five-year period was like a factor on the national scene, and yeah, then they just went. It was Joey Myers was the coach. Yeah. Or Ray Meyer was the Ray, coach. Ray. Ray, yeah. Ray Meyer. For a while, everybody in Chicago looked like Ray Meyer. <laughs> Ray Meyer, Harry Carey, Bill Vec. I'm going to tell Joe Christofek you said this. Uh, well, the, Joe Christofek was in short pants back then. <laughs> when, when Ray Meyer was coaching, Joe Christofek was about five years old. He might not even remember Duke was, or Duke, uh, DePaul was good. Who was that other guy that went Quentin there? Quentin Richardson went there. Who was that other guy that went there? Um, I can't remember. But Damn, Mark. Yeah, they, they were the number one team in the country. Did Rod Strickland go there? Yep, he sure did. Right around the time they went 44 to the half in the coaching club of American Oaks. <laughs> Basketball. That was when college basketball was great. Yeah, because there was <laughs> it was it was less chaotic. Well, you know, 
teams stayed together for three or four years. Right. I mean, it was less chaotic from transfers, the the portal, and you know, it was just a different game. Like, yeah, yeah. Bobby Knight was allowed to to coach. You know, they were allowed to have like you know eleven hour practices until everyone was half dead. I mean, they could do anything they wanted back then. The coaches. Yeah, you can even have now. Now they can barely they can barely have practices. <laughs> That's what they say. I don't buy that. So many snitches out there. Uh, they end up just snitching on each other. Like it's not productive. So it seems like Craig was right. I think Craig's right this time. About <laughs> after you said, okay, it's time. We're gonna go. <laughs> and then you uh, talk for another. <laughs> I'm done, man. <laughs> he already, he already Classic won. Causeway's back in the derby. My futures are alive. At least I might get a rooting effort to the half mile pull. I'm still dumbfounded. I cashed that one on authentic. <sighs> Feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Feel dirty for cashing that one. You're on Medina spirit. <laughs> cashed it, you people, and I didn't charity. I donated it. The Meadowlands <laughs> that night. <laughs> I think that night, race one. I think it made it past eleven o'clock that night. I think it was gone. <laughs> Finally, pick four. Ability. <laughs> uh, uh, like I was just the other day. I was like, damn, I got W. Derby future tickets up, even though like, right? You, you know, it's not another couple not weeks. Technically dead yet, but they're dead. And every time I look, I gotta see. Ah, I want two of them are alive. I got two tickets on, on Classic Causeway. Maybe we can get the most massive speed bias track in history. Ride it right home, or it can rain or something, and you'll love the mud and just do a spend the buck, wire the window. Stranger things have. That's true. This ain't the uh, the twenty seven Yankees lineup of horses. This much horse, <laughs> much horses got one win. <sighs> Anyways, now I'm finished. What? Are, what? Are, wait, what I don't even know. Come... The Yonkers race, the big race. Uh, yeah, you didn't want. You didn't want to know. Um. What do we got coming up as far as derby stuff? Are we uh, just going to lay low? No, we're, we're going to do a derby sh- from Churchill Downs. That's correct. That's right. Thursday. I don't have. Yeah. Palm Pilot. Palm Pilot isn't up to speed. No, not, not quite. I, I might not even know till like Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> So no no big Monday, it'll be big Wednesday or big Thursday. 
I don't know. I I, I don't know what we're gonna do yet. You gotta get that time, homie. Huh? Gotta get that flight Mm -hmm. time. Unless you're riding your bike. We'll we'll be going. We'll be we'll be FedEx ground, friend. (laughs) We're making a road trip. You and White Barrio on the same flight. Dude, we're gonna do a derby preview show and a little bit of Oaks. Okay. And any yeah. race that, that you like, and and I'm sure we'll. Have some, yeah, some we'll have some that'll be wandering around. But um, I can. If Tom Brady's there, you better put him on. Twenty-eight second limit on Jack. You know that at one time in called Happy Jack's Bait Shop. Really? Yes. It's not a name for that, is it? It's closed. Mm. Out of four. Four <laughs> chances in the derby. Are you putting Happy Jack in the winner circle right now? Screws up this call and calls him Applejack. <laughs> Dang. Go into spring training because he doesn't, you know, call any races right now. So, yeah, he might be a little rusty. Doing a little school on Twitter. So is is he is he gonna do like? You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, or is he just gonna, I wonder if he's just gonna call races on the side. But they're on they're on NBC, right? NBC. I don't know if Thursday. It was last year. I think. Was it last year? Mm-hmm. Huh. Sure, he'll be calling the races on Thursday then. I hate that. You love it. I do. I do. I do not. I, I hate that name. It you bothers me. I don't know why, but it bothers me. Thirby. What else would you call it? Thursday. <laughs> yeah, but that's too simple. They can't sell that. The pre fortnight of of uh, Derby. You can't. You can't. The the fort fortnight. Like a a a a, a sponsorship deal with with the game Fortnite. Demographics, man. Open the demographics. That would work, actually. That would work. And you could be doing the Orange Justice. Yeah. Yeah, you have no idea what that is, do you? I have no idea. No. <laughs> Julius. <laughs> you need to Google Orange Justice. <clears throat> and see what comes up. <laughs> he was a switch briefly called Free for Internet. <laughs> and he was a horse in Europe. And he came, he ran in the Arlington Million. He didn't do much running. And and the owners I had at the time did some kind of to buy him. They put some money down and Brian Meehan was the trainer. Um 
anyways, uh, so I get the person, um, gotta like do some internet promotion of the horse and syndicate him or something. I don't remember. He's like a, he was, he's basically an advertisement. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is when, when you looked, when you Googled free for internet, <laughs> it was a porn site from, <laughs> and oh the guy God. that owned the horse previously was the guy that owned sites. It was like the England owned the horse. Holy and free God. for internet was was uh was a porn site. Um, that kind of smashed their idea of, of syndication <laughs> when people mistakenly punched the horse's name in. I didn't think of that first. I don't think they looked it up before. The internet wasn't as prolific as it is now. True. Oh man, that's that's messed up. I call on the guy who who the agent did the deal. Like what? That's the porn king of England. You think? I was like, oh. he goes, you never really asked that. I was like, well, generally, I, I ask if the horse is sound and can we get it vetted and, you know, what what the terms are and, uh, you know, currency and taxes, blah, blah. I usually say, hey, is the horse owned by, like, a you know, a porn guy? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the guy who tried to... Metals. And the guy wanted cash. He wanted three or four hundred thousand. Cash. We were to bring him the cash. Like, couldn't wire. We actually, had to physically, like, put it in a case and drive to Iowa. <laughs> Buddy, your horse ain't that good, man. <laughs> I ain't driving those. You know, it was one of those deals where you, 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 you know, you get the 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 handcuff. You handcuff your your your, your wrist to the to the suitcase. No, Sounds man. Like set up, man. That was. <laughs> that was a tough deal. I felt bad for the agent because he'd worked hard to try to get that done. And um, he'd been working on this guy a week. And he and he's like, we can't do the deal. So why? He goes, he wants cash. I said, well, no, he wants cash, cash. I said, well, bills? Like, what is he, like a bank robber? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Chuck, the guy's you, you know, $1,000 horses. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we'll announce our schedule this this coming week. I gotta figure out what days. I things, and I don't. I haven't what? figured out anything. So, but we will definitely let everyone know. Oh yeah, we will for sure. The <laughs> it will. You got anything else today, my man? Any, any, anything you want to get off your chest? No, I'm good. I'm good. Game cool. of Silks, my friends, oh, rolling it out. Silk. Yeah, they're, they're doing the mint tomorrow. When? I know most people have no idea. What... It's going. It's going to work, and a big announcement's coming out soon. Soon, very soon. Mm. Like, other than that, but soon. There will be a major announcement, but um, it's kind of a cool concept, and I think it'll take a while. This is—it's not a—it's not a, a 
a five. It's not a two furlong race like they ran at Parks today. It's <laughs> take a little time once they roll everything out and then get everything going and it's got to be built up but when it's finally there i think that it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be interested in i think a lot of people to get involved and um practical knowledge in real life will have so www.silks.silks. That's the Web three. Web three. Uh, web three. They're already on that. Already. I didn't even know we got past Web two. But <laughs> it's it's like uh, the Matrix. Ooh. Okay. Without Keanu, no Keanu Reeves. Can't afford him. But um, yeah, big things. I think it's uh, going to be a uh, concept, and I know people in horse racing are generally cynical, but uh, <laughs> check it out. And if you have okay. questions, I may not be able to answer them, but I can put you in touch with someone who. So. Uh... So that about wraps up tonight's show. Thank you for listening. And it's far. You're our guy or girl. <laughs> if you're if you're listening from Algeria, yeah. thank you. I know. Got one. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're listening from Albania and you know Dua Lipa, look me up. And um, if you're listening, Saratoga, shout out to the mayor. May the mayor's going to be the mayor's going to be. No, fireball. Yes, the mayor is going to be at the derby. Therefore, I bring a couple extra shirts in case he needs wants to my, right. You know, he needs to pawn them off to you know for some beer money. But uh, yeah, the mayor will be at Saratoga. The mayor will be at the derby. I will be at the derby. Uh, today we have a couple lunch plans. Franks, oh, Franks. Up, Franks Deli. Yep, Franks, the home of the giant pork chop sandwich. Cottage. Take it over there. Marty McGee's special fried chicken legs. Not chicken legs. What are legs? Frog legs. Yes, Marty McGee is famous for for eating the frog legs. Tastes oh, like chicken. But uh, a couple other spots, but uh, haven't been to Louisville in, in a while. I gotta lose weight this week because I'm gonna be. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what's scary? This thing uh, last night I was like, go to the pump, and I was like, shit, there is no more pump. Oh that really man, that sucks, hurt. man. That hurt. Gabe is struggling, man. Oh, that hurts. <sighs> yeah, it really sucks. Really sucks, but life goes on. All right. Well, we will talk soon. Uh, like I said, we'll make some sort of announcement at some point about what our plans are for next week. And so, if you got any questions, going in circles podcast at Gmail or check us out on Twitter. You should know 
the hand. And um, that's it. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles, and we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially, uh, you know, with Julian's writing, who who used Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly, um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to have, be interested in, and certainly any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered, and uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's a, a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest. And we'll, uh, we'll put you out there and we're not exactly, uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click-ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about, hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.com. Substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.